Good evening, and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. Um, it'll be morning before we're done, so I will go ahead and wish you a good morning, and I will try to remember to do that again. Um, there's a few things I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, first, and probably the most important thing, um, after I say thank you for listening, and if you do opt to share, which I would appreciate if you did, if you think that the podcast has value, I would appreciate that. Um, but more importantly, and this was brought to my attention, not um, as anything I did, I hope, but there's so much rancor and vile out there uh, that that people are uh, who seem to be friends and such are, are literally hurling such terrible insults at each other. Um, now, the lib in the past has uh, way past, back even in the writing era, uh, with the exception of abortion, uh, tries very hard to not cast personal attacks. Um, not perfect at it, I'm not going to lie, but I try very hard not to do that, except for when it comes to the abortion issue. Um but I would also say that people have the right to vote as they will. And they should try to be, get as educated as they can about the issues and about the people running and the ramifications of that vote. There's no reason, and I'm as guilty, if not more so, than most to get in arguments, which I do too often, over stuff that really doesn't even matter. I mean, it matters in the short term, and, and it matters you know, in mortality, but beyond mortality. But then we're slipping over into the, the view from the rim uh, uh, spectrum, aren't we? All right, so I'm just going to keep it here, but I would just ask, and I will work very hard myself to be kind. Uh, to respect people's um, right to vote as they will. And I will work very hard to do that also. So I want to start off by talking about the uh, non-debate town halls that were Thursday night. And I hope, as as I'm reading reports and such regarding the, uh, you know, the reporting on it, and I would hope that people will look with an unbiased view, regardless of which side you fall, because if you're doing that, you can't help but notice that there was no, no rancor, there was no arguing in the Biden town hall between the host and Biden the Vice President Biden, and yet there was considerable rancor between Savannah Guthrie, who is the moderator for the Trump Town Hall, and President Trump. Now, of course, what happens, the perception is automatically and somewhat justified, although the parts that I've seen... Uh, of, of that, I'm not sure that this is rightly decided that 
you know, the perception, of course, is that uh, Trump was typical Trump, but the parts that I've seen, and I've watched a lot of clips of it, um, Savannah Guthrie was almost debating the president, which it was not supposed to be that kind of format. She was there just to facilitate uh, questions from the audience, and yet she asked more questions than the audience did. It's also important to note that that, that President Trump went to probably the hardest line network when it comes to anti-Trump rhetoric, NBC, wherein there is no hardline network against Biden with the exception of perhaps Fox opinion. And people so often forget that, that uh, Fox News, you have really on the Fox News channel, you have two different sections. You have the news section, and then you have the opinion section. And the news section is... I would say probably put it up against um, anyone else's as far as its bias, non-bias coverage. It's about as objective, which is impossible. Uh, but it, I, th- I would say that it's about as objective as it can be and certainly compares with not MSNBC, but I would say it certainly compares with CNN and other news networks or the news departments of the broadcast networks. Again, that's the news portion of Fox News. You know, Fox News is very similar to its uh, uh, to the Wall Street Journal in that the Wall Street Journal editorial page, of course, is, is leans conservative, and the news reporting is maybe a pitch right to center, but the only only way that you think it's right of center is compared to like the New York Times, which makes no pretense at objectivity. Well, it does make a pretense at it, but everyone knows that it's not objective. So speaking on those debates, I, I would say, I wanted to say this. There was a tremendous missed opportunity for the vice president last night, Thursday night, in that uh, Stephanopoulos, George Stephanopoulos, who's the host of, I think he's Good Morning America, also uh, hosts a Sunday morning show, um, also was a, uh, served in the Clinton White House, Uh, So you know where his sympathies lie. This was a terrible mistake on the part of the ABC um, town hall in that they did not bring out into the open the Hunter Biden issue. For those that don't know, Uh, because you don't care to follow the news. Uh, Apparently Hunter Hunter Biden had left his MacBook at a computer repair shop. Um, The time for uh, it to become abandoned had passed. The 
person there made a copy of the hard drive, found out what it was, turned turned it over to the FBI. Now, the FBI has had it for several months, and we've uh, heard nothing about an investigation on it, and that says volumes also. But um, turned the hard drive over, or the copy of the hard drive over to Rudy Giuliani, uh, the president's lawyer, because there were emails regarding um, meetings with the vice president and the heads or uh, um, board members and officers of Burisma, the company that Hunter Biden sat on the board of. Now, remember, vice president has previously said that he had no knowledge of his son's dealings, either in Ukraine or China, even though Hunter had ridden on Air Force Two to China uh, and did business in China, having ridden Air Force Two with his father over there. But that's not my point. My point is, is, and this is what makes me think that these emails may be a little bit more serious and a little bit more legitimate than how it's trying to be portrayed. Because on one hand, you have the circle, right? You have a circular uh, um, um, reporting where, so on the Twitter says, we're not allowing this to be shared or retweeted because it was potentially hacked material. Won't even go into the argument about the fact that they seem to have no problem sharing the president's tax returns and 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 you know stuff about Stormy Daniels and we can go into all that stuff at another time. They seem to have no problem um, allowing reports from anonymous sources, which could clearly be illegal, um, be retweeted out or articles based on those anonymous reports leaked out but you know first twitter said that and then they said well it's hacked you know and so we don't know you know that's just our policy but then they realized they were getting a lot of bad press for that that it that it could even bring down the rain which it has by the way the fcc has decided that that um section 230 which ostensibly protects them as platforms uh, shields them from liability from being sued for for uh, um, in malicious publication uh, that the FCC has decided that maybe maybe that needs to be revisited which by the way I think that Facebook and Twitter etc are not platforms they are publishers and even though they do not um, censor, Everything they do seem to censor a lot of stuff politically. But had this story been oh, back to the circular thing. So, so Twitter says, yeah, you can't you can't retweet that. They locked down the New York Post account, so the New York Post can't you know they can't even put the tweet out there about the article. And so, what happens? The Biden campaign comes out and says, obviously, it's a fraud because Twitter 
you know, Twitter's obviously Twitter's not letting it on, and if Twitter's not letting it on, obviously it's not true. You see how that worked? In reality, there's also a possibility that the FEC, the Federal Election Communicate uh, uh, Commission, may be investigating this also as a an in kind donation to the Biden campaign. And so that's a pretty big deal there. Um, had this been uh, the Hunter Biden stuff, had this been completely illegitimate, and the more stuff that comes out, uh, now you've got a, a separate uh, person, somebody who's sitting in, in, in jail already. They've turned over emails uh, collaborating a lot of what we already knew about, but also adding on uh, securing visits to the White House through Hunter Biden uh, and uh, meetings with the vice president through Hunter Biden for various uh, Chinese delegations. These, by the way, did not appear on the open record, but there is records that you can find online to prove that, yes, the vice president did actually indeed meet with this delegation uh, as specified in these emails. And so the vice president has some explaining to do. And that was a very last Thursday night was a very, very friendly opportunity for him to do so. And why they chose to not do that is beyond me. And I think that it was a very, very bad mistake because this is a problem for Biden. I had said this back during the impeachment that I felt like um, one of the reasons that the Democrats... Now, remember, if you go back to the impeachment, the impeachment was before the primaries were underway. And if you remember, Biden was... Uh, Vice President Biden was struggling in those early primaries. In fact, he essentially was, well, you know, it wasn't even going to be really in the race until South Carolina. And he was getting killed. I mean, he was in. I mean, he was debating, and he was getting killed in those debates. Uh, Kamala Harris essentially said he was a racist. And so you have to remember that perspective because... Perspective and context is everything. We can go look back now and we can say, you know, people forget those things. But when the impeachment last fall was going on, Biden was struggling. And I had given my opinion from this microphone that perhaps a side effect of the impeachment was to get Biden out of the race. Because they had a lot of young uh, promising candidates and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris and, and Amy Klobuchar. I'm trying to Forgive me, I'm trying to go through the intersectional relay again to just make sure I don't miss anybody. Elizabeth Warren was older. Um, Bernie Sanders, obviously, is older. 
um, oh, uh, uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke, a uh, former congressman from Texas. Um, you had, uh, and of course, we can't forget Tulsi, who's one per, the one sane person, I'm sorry, who's the one voice of sanity in that group. She's every bit as progressive as the rest of them, but unlike the rest of them, she was not a warmongerer. In fact, her position, very similar to the campaign position that then-candidate Trump took, which was to bring troops home. And she was excoriated for that. And Tulsi returned the favor to Kamala Harris by pointing out that that, that uh, Senator Harris laughed about smoking weed after having put away hundreds of black men into prison for doing the very same thing. Yeah, she did. So you have to put that in the context that I think that part of the impeachment was to bring out this issue with Hunter Biden, was to get um, Biden out of the race. It didn't work. And then when all these other candidates proved that they could not hang with Bernie, this is when uh, uh, Congressman Clyburn of South Carolina came, stepped in. He, he ramped the blacks up in South Carolina, which make up a sizable portion of the, of the voting population. Uh, Senator Sanders has never done well with African Americans. And he didn't this time either. And that was where, well, plus the Democratic Party leaning on all the other candidates to drop. Kamala Harris was long gone. Of course, by this time, she didn't even make it to the first primary. Let's see what else I have to talk about. Um, oh, um, I forgot to mention the... Um, uh, you know, the, the the person who was going to be the moderator for the second debate that, of course, didn't happen, that was to have been last night, um, um, Steve Scully uh, of C-SPAN, um, he had uh, tweeted out something because the president was being, as usual, jerk self and, and, and you know, tweeted something about the fact that, you know, Steve Scully had been a... A uh, uh, an intern of Joe Biden, uh, Senator Biden, a long time ago, and pointed out that it's unlikely that he would get a fair shake from him, which he wouldn't have. And so he had tweeted to a, a very, an, very harsh anti-Trumper, uh, Scaramucci, who used to be the president's press person for 10 days before he was fired. And asked him what he should do about these tweets. And and then, of course, there was a back and forth there. Scully was caught. He said his account was hacked. Well, of course, today it came out that he lied. And so he's been fired or suspended from C-SPAN. But yeah, Trump would have gotten a fair fight there. Um, 
Mail-in ballots, mail-in ballots. This is very important, and President Trump has talked about this. I'll talk about this. Uh, for the most part, you know, if you've got a state that already has a well-established mail-in election system, that's going to be fine for the most part, except uh, news today, um, another mail carrier, this time in Kentucky, uh, over 100 ballots were found. Um in a ditch that had not been delivered. The mail carrier just ditched him. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help that. Um, he just tossed him. You want to know how serious this was? And I'm glad that the, the Postal Service is taking it this seriously. They fired him. Do you know how hard it is to fire a postal worker? I mean, it's harder to fire a postal worker than it is a federal employee. They are different things. The postal service technically is not part of the federal government. They fired him. This was the second one, by the way, um, that's lost their job. I, actually, I shouldn't say lost their job, but this is the second one that's likely going to be charged with uh, mail fraud. Uh, the first one was, I think, out in California. Uh, but you've also had an issue in Pennsylvania right, where ballots were found in the trash. Um, they were military ballots there. They all voted for Trump. Uh, not that all military would vote for Trump, but these particular ballots were uh, Trump votes in the trash. I don't know how you can tell. Maybe he, I don't know. Even if your state is well-versed in the mail-in ballot process, even the Democrat Party has recognized the fact that thousands, if not millions, of mail-in ballots likely will be invalidated. And that no amount of lawyering is going to be able to rescue them because the signatures won't be right or they will have come in too late um, or the postmark won't be right, or, or whatever. Like I said, they estimate, you know, tens to hundreds of thousands, if not more. Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, three states that were critical in President Trump winning the election in 2016 were won by a total of less than 80,000 votes. So when you start talking about ballots being discarded, or rather ballots being invalidated to the tune of about 100,000 or so, you're talking about turning an election, which is why the Democrats have have done a 180 
and are now telling their people that if they can get to the polls, they should. Where have I heard that before? Of course they should. I would just echo what everybody else has said. Go vote. Vote your conscience. Be kind to those around you. And I will try to do the same. This is the Snake River Lib podcast. Have a wonderful morning.